And we welcome you once again to Cotler and Company here on 1350 ESPN. Great to have you with us. And our good friend from ESPN, Dick Vitale. All right, buddy. I really appreciate that, Larry. Really do. Always enjoy being on with you. Right now, a good friend. And, you know, it's interesting. When I've mentioned to people this gentleman was coming on the radio show, you wouldn't believe how many either eyebrows raised or ears opened. I mean, people are all excited <laughs> to hear that Lee Corso from ESPN is coming on the program. Lee, that's the kind of effect you have on people, my friend. I don't know about that, Larry, but I'm beyond your show anytime, anytime, Larry. He's the head football coach at University of Iowa. Kirk Ferentz joins us. And, Coach, how's your golf game? Uh, it's it's really good. I haven't played in about 18 years, so it's, it's really improved. <laughs> Joining us right now is the head coach of the Cyclones, Steve Prohm. And Steve, welcome back to the program. Good to visit with you. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. From CBS Sports, our good friend Seth Davis on the program with us. Seth, how are you, buddy? Uh, as someone like you guys, uh, I've never worked a day in my life, so that will be that will never be more, more true than the next three weeks. The voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes, Gary Dolphin, joining us. First off, uh, it's good that you guys are reading that Kong's Pizza commercial over the lunch hour. I haven't eaten yet. I'm, my mouth's watering now after listening to you guys. We're here to help. Um, but <laughs> I'll, count on, I'll count on you uh, buying, Larry, the, the next time I'm in, uh, in Des Moines. But, it's a, it's uh, a deal. I promise I will. Our good friend, Keno Davis. Keno, how are you, man? I'm doing well. It's great to be on. We're going to keep it going with a couple of my favorite people, our good friends, the Nadas. Jason Wallsmith, Mike Butterworth, or Mike Butterworth and Jason Wallsmith. I, I like anybody, that way better. I don't yeah. want anybody to feel slighted. <laughs> yeah, whichever, whichever way you want is fine, as long as you start with Jason. It's fine. <laughs> Our next guest, one of my favorites, he is the maestro. I always call you the maestro. I don't call you like music director or conductor. Maestro of the Des Moines Symphony Orchestra, one of our great sponsors here on the program, Joseph Junta. Well, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, and make it a great day. Welcome to this special final edition of Kotler and Company on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Tyler Hackemiller. I was Larry's producer on the show for the past three years. And today we're going to celebrate Larry's amazing talent, connections, love of the community, and sports. And of course, the fact that he really did have the biggest Rolodex in sports, as we talk to just a few of the people in it. My co-host today is Des Moines Radio Group Sports Director, Andy Hall. Hi, Andy. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me on the show. In case fans haven't heard, Larry tragically passed away in the recent flash floods here in Des Moines. Sadly, he leaves behind his wife, Deb, his sons, Zach and Zachary. And the reason we're doing this special, as you mentioned, is that Larry also leaves behind a legacy of kindness, as well as a fantastic history in broadcasting. Most recently here at ESPN Des Moines, he had his show Kotler and Company, which combined sports, arts and community. As with all shows, it wouldn't have been possible without the sponsors. And for Larry, it was easy. Everybody wanted to support what he did. And the cool thing is most of his sponsors got in from the beginning and stayed the entire time. So for Larry, I wanted to make sure we acknowledge these fine folks. Montana Mike's, Iowa Wild, Windsor Vacuum, Iowa Wolves, Massage Heights, Iowa Event Center, Arizona Iowa Baseball Company, Des Moines Symphony, Principal Charity Classic, Iowa Barnstormers, Urbandale Chamber, GNL Clothing, CHR Tire and Auto, Copycat Prince, Des Moines Menace, Truman's Casey Pizza Tavern, Willow Creek Golf Course, State Farm Insurance, and Next Gen Payment Services. You know, as Larry's producer, I was front and center to see his biggest Rolodex in action. We met up with legends and old friends constantly on the show. But like everyone else, Larry had to start somewhere in the broadcasting business. His friend and KCWI host, Lou Seipolt, talked to ESPN News Director Kate Garner about Larry's start. 
Well, we've got Lou Seipold here from KCWI. Lou and I have worked together for uh, 25 years on and off, whether actually working together in the community doing good works. And that's one of the many ways that you knew Larry Collar. No question about it. We uh, had a chance to know the cop man for a long, long time. Got to know him on a very personal level. And enough so you mentioned the TV station where we brought him in to become part of our family over at the TV show and not only bringing him in once a week, uh, he had so much to offer. We had him in a couple of times and that really doesn't happen too often in that situation. But uh, what an amazing individual. And I think the the simplest thing is when people ask you about Larry Kotler, they'll say, what do you know? What do you know about him? What do you think about when you think Larry Kotler? And the first thing that comes to mind, I'm doing it right now. Uh, you know, Kate, I'm smiling yep. because the first thing you do when you hear the name Larry Kotler, you smile because of the, his personality. You, you see him walk in. In our case, we saw him walk in a couple of times on Thursday, for example. He'd walk in and he'd always walk in and his hair would be sticking <laughs> straight up. It'd be a mess. His collar would be turned over. He'd have his Larry Kotler shirt on. So you knew who it was. Of course. Because you gotta make sure you know who it is. And we give him a hard time every day uh, when he, right before he went on. It's like, Kotler, comb your hair. Uh, Kotler, who dresses you in the morning? It was an ongoing thing and he'd get a chuckle out of it. But what an incredible individual. Now, you have lots of stories to tell, so come on, tell us what you no, got. The, the thing about it is, when you go back and think about Larry Kotler, you have to realize where he came from and, and what he did and how much Des Moines really meant to him as a person, because he's been around Des Moines for a long time. Folks have heard the story about his dad passing away at a young age from lupus, and that ties into his whole story overall. But uh, he had a stepfather uh, who was very active and very good at football, played for Drake University. Uh, which brought him to Des Moines. That's why it was so special for Larry to do the Drake games yeah. because he had a very close connection there. But his broadcasting career actually started, for those that don't know, as a country music DJ on KSO. <laughs> a great country stereo KSO at one time, but before stereo. But again, what an interesting thing. He then went off and did some other things and bounced around the country like DJs did, but then ended up back here in Des Moines at basically the same family that KSO was with at the Classic Rock Station and then unceremoniously was let go for a, I think the, the safe way to say it, Kate, is a music malfunction. <laughs> he played something he probably shouldn't have played. No, he played something he shouldn't have played, uh, saying some things that weren't expected by the FCC, but that really propelled his career to the next level and pointed him in the direction that he was so good at, right. took him to the direction of talk radio on uh, WHO and then into the sports broadcasting. And that's where he excelled. He was in his element there. And that was the, where the magic came because he was so good at sports radio. He did not just talk about a subject or a sport. He went in and he learned about it. And when he talked to people, he would talk to him knowledgeably, and that's what they remember. Yep. That's why he has that book, The Biggest Rolodex in Sports, because he made individual connections with the people that he talked to. Uh, you know, he was around uh, for a while, you know, and he went out, we mentioned he went out nationally, he had some national radio uh, that he had a chance to do after his stint here in Des Moines. And the thing that was most amazing, when he came back, he still had all these contacts from his national sports radio stuff. And he could pick the phone up and call them and they would know who he is. It isn't just some guy in Des Moines or Vegas or Chicago. It was the cop man. And that's where the connection was. And that was the magic behind Larry Kotler. 
Well, and he was inspirational to the point that you were at the Iowa Speedway recently, and they they paid tribute as well, right? Yeah, they have what they call the invocation uh, before the races start. They do this for every motorsports event, and uh, Iowa Speedway's Ministries is the organization that puts together the invocation. And Aaron Laurie, I had a chance to go up on stage, and before the race, yeah, he mentioned Larry in the invocation. Would you pray with me? at the Iowa Speedway. And it's our prayer that today you would be with all the men, women, boys, and girls that are here today, including all the drivers, the pit crews, and all the fans. We ask for a special blessing and protection around them. Today we also ask for a special prayer for the families of Larry Cutler, the broadcaster, and Deanne and Dreddy in her passing this week. Please be with their families and give them strength. The thing that's really amazing about that, Kate, is that Larry Kotler is mentioned in the same breath as Deanne Andretti. Deanne Andretti was Mario Andretti's wife who passed away this past week as well. So even after his passing, the cop man has worked his magic again and he's added another name to the biggest Rolodex in sports. But I think his, uh, his true calling uh, beside his sports broadcasting was how he served the community. Yes. Uh, he served so many organizations here that people probably will never know about because he did so. He, I don't think he ever said no, no yeah. to anybody that <laughs> asked for his help. At least I've never known him to say no, whether it be the Easter Seals folks and the regatta they have every year, uh, which, by the way, is coming up. He did that for the past 13 years. He was the host of the regatta, helping Easter Seals. And then we mentioned Lupus earlier, his dad passing away from complications from Lupus when Larry was really young. Well, he got in and started helping out the Lupus Foundation of Iowa, putting him on the map. Uh, People really didn't understand what Lupus was all about, but he brought it forward and he got the information out there. So now people know about the Lupus Foundation of Iowa and what it really means and how many people are affected by it. And then most recently when he was discovered that he had prostate cancer. Right. You know, he came and he and I talked for quite a while about this. And he said, you know, I'm going to beat this. There's no question about that, which is what Larry was all about. He was absolutely the most positive person I've ever met in my entire life. No matter what was thrown at him, no matter how many times he was knocked down, he'd always dust himself off, stand right back up, and he'd march on. Well, when the prostate cancer came, we talked about, you know, he was going to be gone for a while. That was his big concern. I'm going right. to be gone for a while. I'm not going to be able to I would be recovering from this. I'm not going to be able to do the show. And I said, you don't worry about the show. Don't Just worry about yourself. And, and then he said, well, do you think it'd be okay if I mentioned that, what I'm going through, why I'm doing it? Yes. And it's like, not only do I think it's okay, uh, I think it's required. And, and, and he lit up when we mentioned that. So he had a chance to tell his story and how he was discovered to have this uh, ailment and, and how he got treated. And it worked. And he beat it. Yep. And there was no question about that. He absolutely beat it. And, you know, that was what it's all about is just getting back up getting on your feet again and marching forward. And if nothing else, the message that Larry and the interaction we have with Larry, and I think you can agree, is no matter what happens to you in life, no matter what, you know, how low you think you might get, march on. Never heard him say a negative thing about anybody that I can remember. Nope, he was positive. He is Mr. Positive. Put a positive spin on it because things will work out in the long run. And that's what he know had to offer to everybody and again when you think larry kotler folks that are listening right now you better be smiling because <laughs> that's required now when you say larry kotler it almost it almost it comes really natural to you but it's one of these things that you know it's whether it's drake 
you know, university and the Bulldogs and how much he loved Drake University, how much he loved the Barnstormers or even the Cardinals, (laughs) for that matter. Uh, You know, he knew a little bit about everything and a lot about the things he was passionate about. And the thing he was passionate about most was life. And that's where he excelled. He will be missed. Um, They say people are easily replaced. Not in this case. Sorry. It's not going to happen here. Larry Kotler will be missed for a long, long time. It was great to hear that story from Lou on Kotler and Company on ESPN 1350 KRNT Des Moines. There were some things in there I didn't know about Larry. It also tells you that Larry really was everywhere. Tyler, you had some guys in the studio the other day who could vouch for that. Yeah, Andy, and they had great stories, too. I'd like to welcome some very special guests. You're going to definitely recognize these voices. I'd like to welcome Scott Casper. He is the PA voice of the Iowa Barnstormers, and he said something earlier that I really like. We're all very sad here losing Larry, but it's also a celebration. It is a celebration for many friends and fans, an opportunity for us to recognize the life that was well-lived and uh, a career that was exceptional. I mean, he did everything. No, It didn't matter if he was calling a kid's game or a professional game. It really didn't matter or where he was traveling to. He gave 100% each and every time. Larry gave everything he had. There was a certain joy in doing his job well done. And uh, and Larry lived it. I know Joe Stacy, who's sitting next to me, uh, mm-hmm. his broadcast voice of the Iowa Barnstormers. Joe got to see it at every game up close and personal because he was effusive. He was over the top. He was creative in his in his calls, his color commentary, as Joe did play by play. And sometimes Joe would even have to say, "Okay, Larry, we're done. <laughs> I need to talk now." But it was yeah, it was, Larry's, Larry was such a you know used to doing play by play, and you know having to come in to do the uh, color role uh, is a tough chore. So I will I will just say this: Larry Kotler was a guy that I modeled a lot of my career after. If you listen to my programs, you will hear a, a, a style called conversational interview. So you ask a question, you're not waiting for me to ask the next question you're waiting for the answer to what you just asked because you'd be surprised how many great questions come off of the answer that larry's audience was listening to and and i think that's the magic of it all larry treated radio as uh, an open book larry at the end of it all was a storyteller and he wanted to tell the story the very least important thing of which and it may have been the entree but the least important thing that larry did was to report the score that really didn't matter. It was part of it, but it really didn't matter to the end result. Larry was able to tell the story based on his personal experience with the athletes, the coaches, the teams, the travels. I mean, Joe, you you know this to be true because he traveled with uh, the Barnstormers. He traveled with the Drake Bulldogs. He called the relays over all those years. I mean, he was a disciple of Jim Zobel, if there ever was one. Yeah, you know, he mentioned uh, Jim Zobel uh, numerous times on our broadcast. Of course, Jim Zobel, the original play-by-play voice of the Iowa Barnstormers, and uh, Larry gave me numerous pieces of advice throughout uh, our uh, relationship, which started uh, back in 2005 with the Iowa Sports Connection, as uh, he was a correspondent and I was hosting the show, and uh, most recently, uh, Larry lending his voice as my uh, radio analyst uh, during the Iowa Barnstormer games. Numerous times he would say, if I would go to a break 
And uh, as you know, and as many people know in this industry, listeners alike, that uh, no matter what you do for a living, uh, we're always our own worst critic. And kind of kind of like Chris Farley, if you're, if our listeners remember Chris Farley when he was doing his famous interviews like on Saturday Night Live, and right. I, I'd always beat myself up. Oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but no, Larry always would say something like, hey, don't let information get in the way of a good broadcast. Right. And that was Jim Zobel's yeah. uh, advice. But I think that's true in every aspect. Larry looked at music the same way. He would interview somebody like uh, Freddie Boom Boom Cannon or the Beach Boys, uh, Brian Wilson or any number uh, of the Beach Boys frontmen, or, or Kansas. It didn't matter who it was. There was a genuine interest. I think he did interview Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney when they came through and they were pushing uh, uh, tofu hot dogs. Mm. And uh, that kind of was nonplussed for Larry because Larry right. loved a good hot dog at a ballpark. <laughs> right. yeah, ballpark Franks, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they and he loved a good deep mustard stain <laughs> as well, if you recall. You know, but, first of all, you know, I, I, I just have to say that the broadcast community in this uh, small community that we live in and a very vibrant community that we live in uh, has done so much and, and uh, led in large part by you, Scotty Casper, um, you know, the, the funeral was terrific. Larry Morgan, Dolph Polium, Scotty Casper, Big Zach got up there. But uh, what you're doing uh, for uh, Larry, Deb, Zach, and the entire family with the Iowa Barnstormers and, and uh, right here at KRNT 1350 ESPN. But uh, I was worried about you on the Barnstormers' final broadcast, it was, the championship it was game last Saturday night. Of course, everybody knows we won. Jason did an absolutely terrific job, and we honored Larry. The best way you can honor a friend and colleague or loved one um, is by doing your very best and being prepared and, and throwing your passion out there, and, and uh, that's what we did. The ball game dictated uh, that, that it was going to be a good broadcast, and I have to believe that Larry uh, not only helped put uh, some butts in the seats, Deb was there. Uh, she was on the field before the game with her family, and, and uh, there were some moments in that game where you just had to feel that divine intervention came into play. If he wasn't looking down, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, because that's the kind of sports fan he was. Um, you know, it, I, I didn't plan it. Uh, I, I, I know that I wanted, and we did give Larry plenty of uh, recognition throughout the game, at just justifiably so. But uh, part of that last call, obviously, the Barnstormers did it, and the Barnstormers did it for the Copman. Well, they did it for the Copman, and that's one of the things we're doing for the Copman is we're selling the biggest Rolodex in sports mm -hmm. book. You can get it through the Barnstormers office. You can also find it online on Facebook. Look for me, Scott Casber. C-A-S-B-E-R, and I'll be happy to either mail you one. I've been mailing them across the country. Uh, this morning I mailed one to California to another broadcast colleague out there. But uh, it's 24 bucks. if you want me to mail it to you, if you'd like to pick it up or make arrangements for pickup. You can just reach out to me on Facebook. Happy to get it to you. All proceeds, 100% of the cost of the book goes to Deb. And right now, they this woman it. who lost everything, including her beautiful husband, she lost everything can really use your help. We do have a GoFundMe page set up, and it's GoFundMe. It's under Larry Kotler, C-O-T-L-A-R. And uh, we're about $9,500 away from our goal. Uh, of course, this will help to go offset the tremendous cost of burial, uh, replacing the family van, which was washed away and totaled. Mm -hmm. I think the insurance check and whatever the insurance company co uh, is named is really immaterial, but the $48 check they sent... Forty dollar check. Forty dollar check is is hardly uh, enough for the uh, the family to get another vehicle with. But uh, if you have uh, the wherewithal and the means to do so, please 
Go to GoFundMe, look for Larry Kyler, make a donation. So many of you have, and so many of you are hearing about this for the first time. We appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about that. The book in and of itself is a great read. Incredible pictures of Larry's life and broadcasting his career with guys like Hayden Fry and Johnny Orr, Dolph Pulliam, uh, the great Dan Gable, Danny Hodge, and so many others. Larry's book is well uh, um, well endorsed by guys like Tom Davis and, and uh, Dick Vitale. Uh, Dan Gable, as I mentioned, and, and Mitch Holtis from the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to pick this book up. It's a hand-along book. In other words, you'll read it and want somebody else to enjoy it as well. But we have the last of the last of the final printing of this book, The Biggest Rolodex in Sport by Larry Collar. Great read. And it is a huge Rolodex. By the way, it's an industrial-sized Rolodex. I've seen okay? it I chose times. to switch over to the digital <laughs> media, and uh, thank God I did. Because I'm not as strong as Larry. So I could did not have Larry did, too, but he still had the industrial size. And, and I was telling my wife, I said, you know what, Larry was not into, um, hey, look at me. But no, uh, no, 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 no. But Larry did take that Rolodex with him at certain places and times. And uh, hey, yeah, we're in the business of branding ourselves. And, you know, we're all imperfect. But but I have to think that, uh, you know, maybe one of the reasons why the good Lord took Larry was because he was he was pretty close to being that that guy. Larry Kotler, to me, was somebody I could always call. Um, he was a mentor. So very sad, and it's just still so very numb uh, to, to think that uh, he was taken this way. But, uh, again, maybe, uh, you know, everybody has an expiration date, and uh, Larry's came very unexpectedly. And um, our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Deb, and family, because they had to endure that as well with him. I like to think that God needed an update on sports, <laughs> and he called one of the best up, and Larry's delivering it to him. And some financial advice, maybe. Probably. Probably, probably. (laughs) Those were great stories, and we will have more from Scott and Joe later when they talk to a Drake sports legend. But while we are on the subject of his passion for sports, a number of people wanted to pay their respects to Larry Kotler on this special Kotler & Company on ESPN Des Moines. Here now with the Iowa Barnstormers coach Dixie Wooten, and before anything else, the champ is here. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. It's it's a surreal moment, man. You know, you go through all that work and dedication and get a chance to win a championship. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud for the city and also our organization. Yeah. Well, and I, I got to say, too, before we get too into it again, I, I have one gripe with you, and that was I had to stand behind you at the funeral. Uh, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get to see much because <laughs> you're a sizable guy. So uh, no, no all, all jokes aside, oh, yeah. uh, but uh, we're here to, to remember our good friend Larry Collar, and you yeah. were a regular guest uh, on the program yeah. here. Yeah, man, just just coming up here when Larry, you know, call out our, our, our people and call me and to ask me to come up, man, it was a no-brainer, you know, the, just the, the type of guy Larry is, man. You know, when he called, I'm, I'm running because I know I'm about to have a lot of fun. You know, just understanding what type of man he he was from the beginning, then knowing more and more about him just going through life, man. It was, it was amazing to know him, man. You know, just... Everywhere, even off the um, mic, when we go play golf and we have this conversation, man, you know, the way he is, man, he touched me big time, man, you know. And, and I miss him a lot because, you know, on, on the championship day, you know, on game day, we talk for about four days a week, but on game day we have a great conversation just about everything going on. And, you know, when when I didn't get that call, man, you know, I just sat there for a little bit, you know, picked up my phone and act like I talked to him because I wanted my day to go regular. So, but, you know, man, I, I miss him a lot, man. And I wish that he was right here next to me, you know, asking me some of them great questions that he usually do. Yeah, Joe Stacy uh, has a theory that Larry stripped that ball 
at the end of the <laughs> yeah, championship yeah. game. Yeah, that, I, I say the same thing, man. You know, because <laughs> I, I I know he I know he was there. Yeah, and I know he wanted to win bad because I know he wanted that ring. So <laughs> when that ball hit that receiver hand, Larry ran down there, knocked it out. And then looked him just with that that smile, that big grin on his face, man. And yeah, so man, I, I, I wish, I wish, man, just you know, just he, he's the best, man. And I can't wait to get give his wife that ring that he that he truly deserved. You know, just one, just want to say thank you, you know, to him for everything that he he done for me as a young coach. You know, as a young coach, you come into an organization that, you know, haven't had a lot of success. And, you know, you you get everybody is hardworking and trying to make the thing, you know, go. And so it's a lot of pressure. But with Larry, man, it wasn't never pressure with him. And he always talked me through it. He always told me to relax. He always told me to, you know, understand that, you know, life is short and make sure just, you know, you, you enjoy every moment. You know, and that that was big for me, man. You know, just, just going through you know, turning this whole organization around. Also, you know, meeting his wife, Deb, she's just the sweetest lady in the world, man, and, and just understanding that she had my back as well. And it, it was it was the greatest moment ever that you have a wife and a um, husband that strong like Larry and Deb to, you know, have your back in, in, in a situation where you know it's going to be a tough, you know, in, in this football world. But, you know, I miss him, but I thank him as well. So, I never forget about him, and he'll always be in my memory as long as I live. Well, thanks for being in today. It's been great getting to know you over the years. Congratulations sure. again, bringing a championship home and uh, dedicating the game to the cop man. Uh, sure. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, and I, like I say, man, appreciate you for having me all this time, man. And, you know, this is a great show. You know, all the pictures and, you know, all the fun moments and listening to Larry read the commercials like he wrote them. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, man, I, I appreciate it. And, and just thank you, man. Appreciate it. Joining us now is the head women's basketball coach at the University of Iowa, Lisa Bluter. Lisa, thank you for being here today. Oh, glad to be here and uh, be able just to talk about Larry and, and what he meant to the sporting community of Iowa. You know, Larry, um, in, my, in my memories of Larry, and I've known him for over a decade, and, you know, we enjoy doing his show when he called in and always said yes to his request for uh, talking on his show. Because I think one thing about Larry is he always did his homework. He always knew uh, what he was talking about. He never had to fake it. And he was genuinely happy all the time. And I think um, I'm sure everybody is, is said this already and that just was such a tremendous man and uh never seemed to have any enemies and never seemed to have a bad day and uh that's what my memories of larry will always be is that huge smile that he would have when i'd see him in person but also just you could hear it in his voice every time i talked to him we're here now with the general manager of the des moines menace tylee nunnick hey tyler thanks for having me today and thanks for doing this like I mentioned, I, I met Larry, he was one of the first people I met when I moved here in January, I took over as the GM of the uh, Menace, and he was one of the first interactions I had from a business-to-business standpoint. And um, from that point on in January, our, just our relationship grew, and, and uh, he was, you know, the, the engagements were always positive, and you could just understand and feel what a good guy he was. And I always, of anyone I engage with uh, from a business standpoint, he was always the ones that I found pleasurable. And the conversation went, usually went longer than expected, but more, you know, more enjoyable than expected. And I say that, and I think it's probably a tribute in my short period of time how much I thought of him, but I know that my predecessor, Matt Hominoff, uh, had the same positive comments to say about him. I would say uh, 
the sad side, um, I, I did see Larry that that last night. Uh, he was at a menace game, and I think an uh, important point to talk about here is um, you could just tell how much he was at our game in support of his wife, Deb, and you could just tell how much he loved her and how much he cared for her. And I believe the last time I actually saw Larry, he was walking out and making a joke about going out to grab something again for his wife, and uh, and I could just tell how much he really cared for her. So um, it was it was my fortune to have engaged with him, albeit a short period of time, but um, certainly my my pleasure, my honor. Larry also had a very special family and community connection with Drake University. That's why he really loved calling games for the Bulldogs. Or if he wasn't doing play-by-play, you'd often see him in blue cheering them on. We spoke to a few people from the school who wanted to be sure to pay their respects to Larry Kotler on this final Kotler and Company, including Drake Assistant AD for Athletic Communication, Ty Patton. When I think of the cop man, Larry Kotler, cop man as I, as we all called him affectionately, what always stuck out most to me was just his unbridled passion and enthusiasm for everything he did. And certainly uh, with Drake Athletics, which is where I was most familiar with him, he absolutely loved being a part of the program and a part of our players' lives and, and being a part of that, that team. And I think that really showed in his work and his dedication to it and how how committed he was to it and, and how much he believed in our in our teams, coaches and student athletes. Uh, you know, he was unfailingly positive. Every single game he called, every time we were on the road, all, always believed in, in everybody that was a part of that team. Uh, and I think that really, really came through in his broadcasts for sure. And, uh, you know, he was so, so committed to to what our teams and student athletes were trying to do that, you know, when he uh, was going through his uh, his cancer scare earlier in the year, he was, you know, worried about missing a practice here or there, maybe missing a game. And then when he was on the road with us, you know, uh, apologized to me profusely because I, I might have to carry his bag from the bus to the hotel room because he had just had surgery uh, a week ago. So that that sort of epitomized who Larry was to me as a, as a working professional and as a as a play-by-play man and just, you know, completely uh, without ego. Uh, it was never about him, um, which is oftentimes rare um, in that field where media personalities become larger than life. And uh, uh, Larry certainly uh, was never that way. And if anything, his, his life was much larger than him, as we've learned in this past few weeks with how many organizations and people he impacted. Definitely, uh, you know, we were we were blessed that uh, Deb and Zach and both Zachs and his family uh, shared him with us. Uh, and we're certainly very, very thankful to have him as part of our team for as, as long as we did. And we're uh, very, very fortunate to have him around our programs. Because like I said, his passion and enthusiasm and positivity was absolutely contagious. You know, for a guy who was been through a lot in the last year, certainly, um, and even prior to that. I don't know if Larry ever had a had a bad day, and if he did, he he certainly didn't let it show because uh, there was always a smile on his face, and he was loving what he was doing and encouraging other people to uh, to love that as well. So hopefully, we can uh, do our part to to carry that forward in in his absence, but it will uh, certainly be very very difficult to do that. Joining us now is the Drake football coach. Rick Fox. Yeah, Tyler. Boy, when I when I think about Larry, I think about a guy who loved people and loved sports, and that just 
that just oozed out of him every time you interacted with him. Whenever we would talk, he he loved to talk about his family, and then he loved to talk about sports. Obviously, we would talk a lot about Drake football, but anything to do with sports, he was just just excited to talk about it. And that enthusiasm about other people and about sports just rubbed off on everybody around him. And it was you know it's one of the things I love so much about him, and just so sorry to uh, to see him go, and gonna miss him. Uh, moving forward. But uh, that's what I'll always remember about Larry is how much he loved people and how much he loved sports and really any sport he just just wanted to talk about. Joining us now is Drake head women's basketball coach Jenny Baranchek. Yeah, you know, I, I think so much. And I, um, you know, Larry has touched so many, so many people's lives. And, you know, it's, you know, we got to celebrate his life at his funeral uh, about a week ago now. And, you know, it brings back and it just shows how many people he's touched. And he's just one of the most genuine, loving, supportive people. He was so positive. He's definitely going to have a legacy that's well beyond the work that he's done, but really more the person that he is and the hearts that he's touched. So I'm just, I feel really blessed to have been able to reflect on all of that and also just to have had him in my life and to be able to tell our story in a really special way. We're doing the final edition of Cutler & Company here on 1350 KRNT Des Moines, and ESPN Des Moines is the proud home of the Drake Bulldogs. It was during his Bulldog play-by-play days when he was paired up with perhaps one of the biggest personalities to ever come out of Drake, or the state of Iowa, Dolph Pulliam. Scott Casper and Joe Stacy sat down with Dolph to remember those good times. Joined still by some of the radio greats here in Des Moines, Scott Casper, the PA voice of the Iowa Barnstormers, Joe Stacy, the radio voice of Iowa Barnstormers, and partner with Larry Collar. And now, another special guest, Dolph Pulliam is on the line. Of course, the star of Drake's 1969 Final Four team and the longtime broadcast partner alongside Larry for Drake basketball. Dolph Pulliam, thanks for being here tonight. Hey, thank you for having me on. Dolph, it was a sad day. I talked to you Sunday morning early. You had already heard from Drake. And uh, the athletic department there, they were equally as sad. But this one hit you very hard. Why? Well, you know, and as I said at, at the, uh, as I eulogized uh, Cotman at the funeral, you know, Larry and I were sort of like brothers from another mother, so to speak. Right. And we just had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. We had love for each other. We enjoyed working together. He was, he was just fun, and we, we had gone beyond just being broadcasters. We were friends, and so that's why it hit me so hard. To be honest with you, I, ex- I, I expected Larry to be at my funeral to, to tell stories about <laughs> Dolph Pulliam he and will not be. the other way around. <laughs> he will be if he has any choice of the matter. I, I think he was at Saturday night's uh, Barnstormers game as well. I surely felt his presence. Dolph, go back to the first few games that you called with, with Larry. As you know, a control freak on the mic, especially at a, ga- at a game. But talk to us about that experience with him because I know, first of all, it's fun, but you had to challenge Larry in the fact that you were actually a professional at doing what you did. <laughs> well, you, you're right. And, and Larry being the uh, consummate professional that he is and always in control of his broadcast. And so Larry 
in working with a partner, I guess before me, he was accustomed to or used to or and did tell you by pointing at you when to talk, and then he gives you the cut sign <laughs> when to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I had never worked with anyone like that. And so, so when we were doing our radio broadcast for the first time and we started going, doing a Drake basketball game, and then Larry was describing the action, the play-by-play action that was going on, and then all of a sudden, he just pointed his finger at me. <laughs> and I sort of looked at Larry and go, What? And then he sort of moved his hand near his mouth, like to say, talk, 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 talk. (laughs) And I went, oh, oh, okay, well, then I'll start talking. So then I started talking, and immediately he went, cut. (laughs) (laughs) He went back to the play-by-play and left me all alone. And so I said, after the broadcast, I said, Larry, you and I need to talk. (laughs) We need to talk about how we're going to do this thing. And, And I said, and Larry... Don't point at me and don't cut me off. I says, Larry, I am a professional right. and I know how to do this job. <laughs> and I said, boy, we're going to have a tough time getting this thing going. But but it did. It worked out and we um, he respected my comments. It became a seamless broadcast between the two. He would do the play-by-play and as soon as the basket's taken or, or the ball is stolen, he immediately stopped talking and I jumped right in there. And then... I knew how, how long to talk, and then I would stop talking, and he would jump back in. Oh, it was fun. It was the best of times. I love those. I love those days. We're very pleased to be invited in on this broadcast. I want to thank Tyler, his longtime producer, and, of course, our online guest, Dolph Pulliam, joins me and Joe Stacy right now. Dolph, we're talking a little bit about uh, not only play-by-play and the art of color, when you have a hot play-by-play guy like Joe, or in this case, Larry, uh, but... You guys did more than just call games together. You traveled together, you roomed together, and you had conversations long into the night. Can you tell us what those were like? (laughs) It was stories. It was story after story after story. You know, generally what happened was, so we've come back from the game or we've come back from our on-the-road shoot-around at whatever city we were in, and then we've had our evening meal. And so now we're, Larry and I headed back to our room where we settled down for the night. And the routine was we had to uh, stop by the, the vending machine, and Larry had to get a Coke. And then he had to go and get a, a piece of chocolate. Right. And then we would make our way back to the room. And then he would call Deb, his wife, and Zach, and we'd talk to them for a minute or two. And then after we do that... And then Larry and I would just start talking about different sporting events. One of the things that Larry loved me to tell him was my Michael Jackson story. (laughs) Oh, my word. Dolph, it's so good of you to join us. I know that you were heartbroken on Sunday morning when you got the call from the Drake Athletic Department. And then when I called to ask if you would be a speaker on uh, at the funeral, uh, you readily agreed and uh, said what an honor it would be to speak for Larry. But, uh, man, the stories you told with no notes were from the heart. And I know the tears were there, and you were able to hold them in. But a tremendous loss for our community, for us as friends, but for you as one of the dear friends. It's uh, not too many people that shared hotel rooms with him and watched him fall asleep and had the joy of watching him wake up ready, willing, and able to call the next game. He was a great... 
great man. He was a great person to be around, uh, to get to know. And, uh, and just the friendships that he had made throughout his life was just wonderful. God bless you, Dolph. Thank you so much. Dolph's the kind of guy that gives and gives and gives to his community, as evidenced by his many years at Drake and here in Des Moines on television and radio. And uh, we love him for sharing his, uh, his thoughts with Larry. Mark Amadeo joins us now, veteran broadcaster and co-host of so many of Larry's finest baseball broadcasts. Mark, how are you? I'm doing fine, Scott. Glad to be on. It was a tremendous shock to not just the broadcast community, but boy, was I, I was so, it was, it was so heartwarming to see well over 150 broadcasters. Heck, the, the broadcast team from Bradley was here to salute and pay tribute to Larry. As, as was you and I, Gary Rima was in the Rima as was well. here, for my goodness sakes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But so many that have worked with Larry over the years or appreciated his work. And I, and I know Tyler, who's producing this very program for the final time, uh, is in the studio. He understood that he was working with a guy that performed real-life magic. He could get anybody and everybody to talk about whatever it is Larry wanted to talk about and never feel like he was being painted into a corner. Mark, what was it like for you to be on the air with Larry? Uh, thank you, Scott. I've, I've been on with Larry for quite a few years. Uh, he used to have an out-of-bounds program at noon with Andy Garman, and I, I substituted co-hosts for him when Drake was on the road, and Tom McDonald and I would sit in with maybe Andy, depending on that. But he also helped out with dowling baseball and softball. As you know, I've been doing dowling football and basketball for over 35 years, but I can't do softball and baseball. My schedule doesn't allow it in the summer. And Larry was one that was available, and he'd love to do St. Louis Cardinals baseball. He said, if I could be Jack Buck, I would. And, well, his closest thing was dowling baseball and softball, and he did it for two years, did a great job, and we had a lot of fun. And that's what Larry was. He was a lot of fun because he put his guests, when he was co-hosting or doing a talk show, at ease. And when he was doing the broadcast, he was very prepared. I got news for you. I bet you anything. He's subbing for Jack Buck right now on Cardinals broadcast in heaven. I'll bet you anything he's subbing for uh, Jack Buck right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, I would I would say so, Scott, because he'd love baseball, but he'd love being Larry Collar. Larry just loved life. I've never seen a guy. And he was down, you know, it, Scott, you and I know, and so does Joe. Larry had some, uh, you know, downfalls. He had some setbacks in life. But he also was a positive guy. Mm. Keith Murphy said that uh, in in Larry's first round with prostate cancer, he started asking, challenging all of his friends, myself included, have you got yourself checked? Have you been screened yet for prostate cancer? And that became a passion, much like the Lupus uh, Foundation was for him, right? That is correct. And I know he he made a passionate plea, and he was doing very well with his checkups. And uh, yes, he said the same thing to me, asked me the same thing. And several years before, I had already done that. But that was that was kind of a passion that he was going through. It, it was fun working with Larry. And, and uh, you say Larry Kotler was his own institution, and he was. And I remember he, always, he taught me to take the high road. You know, I've got that Italian-Irish temper. Um, <laughs> sometimes I don't uh, know how to bite my tongue. And he, Larry, as you said, uh, he personified nice. And the Des Moines Register did a great job and a great cover story on him uh, the day after his passing. But... Uh, he took the high road. He, in, in an industry that uh, is full of sharks, he always took the high road. He certainly did. And, and he was dealt some setbacks, but he overcame them. And he also realized he knew who his group of friends were. Matter of fact, I had a chance to sit yeah. at his table in the overflow room during the uh, 
funeral, I was with Van and, Van and Bonnie were to my left, his former employers over uh, at Clear Channel, and also John Walters and the, the, the Iowa State group was to my right, and, and my good friend Tony Cindy, who Larry came in our program many times on Saturday morning. So that was his family. And, Scott, I'll go back to what you said during your eulogy. What is that company? You asked Larry, what's company? Well, right. it's companies, you and me and us and we and, and Larry. And he brought us all together in many, many different ways. Yeah, even in death, he had that ability. <laughs> and and, and, and he would be the first humble guy to say, no, I don't. But he brought everybody <laughs> together one more time for a celebration. And coincidentally, it was a sold-out performance. Yeah. And if there's anybody that would have been happy with that, humbly so, it would have been Larry Kotler because his finest performance, he was there, but he wasn't speaking. But we got to speak for him. And to eulogize somebody as great as Kotler was is uh, is quite an honor. Dolph Pulliam cried. Larry Morgan held it together, stoic as he is. Odell, who gave such a nice uh, send-off to Larry. And then Zachary. Oh, my goodness. Zachary gave, from his son's perspective, I thought, uh, a clear-headed and level-headed response to the passing of his father. The thing that was I was concerned with is that anybody would call either one of his two boys, Zach or Zachary, his stepsons, because Larry corrected me on that years ago. He doesn't have any stepkids. Right. He had sons. And that's how, I mean, if you can boil it down, everybody uh-huh. in sports was equal. Everybody in his family was his son, his wife, his whatever, but there was no steps. There was there's no co-friends or anything like that. You're either friend or you're not. And Larry found the best in everybody. And if you couldn't throw a ball, he's going to spend hours teaching you how to throw a ball, how to catch a ball. In fact, Larry was encouraged to write a book called The Biggest Rolodex in Sports by Larry Kotler. But he was encouraged by a guy named Mike Chapman. And Mike Chapman is one of the great authors of my life having penned over 23 books. But Chapman told me, he said, Larry was unsure of his ability. And Chapman said, for all you say, think about that and then write it down. Because what you say is exceedingly possible that it will all go in the book because these are all golden gems. Well, you had the opportunity to work with a guy that could turn a phrase or a prose and make it something that people want to hear, to listen to, to learn from, to be educated. And, and Larry taught me the rules. Educate, entertain, and inform. If you do all those in a broadcast, you've won. You've done your job. Well, Larry, I think, went one step beyond because he added an element And that element was love. He loved what he did. He loved who he was doing it for. And he loved the reason he was doing it. And, Mark, you were up close and personal on his best days and on his worst days. But it never came through a microphone that there was any, ever, any difference. That is so correct, uh, Scott, because the broadcast we did, we had a lot of fun. We were prepared. We'd ask questions. We'd entertain. I know we look forward to the postseason because that's when we were together especially the last couple of years. But I think it goes back to what uh, uh, Rabbi Kaufman said at at, uh, Larry's funeral. He brought so many walks of life together. His marriage to Deb, which was initiated by Clarence Hudson, who was working for the Iowa Sports Foundation. Clarence did a great job. He knew Larry and Deb belonged together. And from that foundation, there were so many traditions that were evolved. Uh, Christian lady and a Jewish man, right. and it, the, the stories keep telling, and, and people know what I'm talking about, they know Larry and Deb. It was amazing, and that, that was how Larry was at home and working with me or whoever else, Scott. 
And folks, you can be a part of helping Larry's family correct themselves after this tremendous loss of personal stuff, the van, everything that was in the van, the eyeglasses, the cell phones, and everything. We're looking for a $25,000 goal. So on GoFundMe, you can search for Larry Kotler, and that's L-A-R-R-Y-C-O-T-L-A-R. And we're at about fifteen five right now. We're about uh, $9,500 short, $9,500 short. Every dollar counts, and they desperately need your help. There's some severe hurdles to overcome, a lot of funeral expenses, but you can be a part of helping Larry Kotler's memory not only survive but thrive and this family come out from underneath this terrible cloud they've been under this last week. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Mark. You've been a great friend to me, to Joe Stacy, etc. I challenge you to continue that, and it is a challenge, my friend. We appreciate that. But we, 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 we love you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Look forward to the broadcast uh, on Friday with uh, Dowling Baseball as we go to the postseason. And what a perfect guy to replace Larry in our broadcast team. Thank you, Joe. Well, I appreciate Mark it. Amadale, he'll have a special place in the booth up in heaven, I'll tell you that. He is a very fine broadcaster. want to thank all those that have uh, taken the time to call in. I want to thank Joe Stacy because I know, Joe, this hit you uh, especially strong, sitting side-by-side side for three to four hours every every Barnstormer home game and then going away on the road and doing it all by yourself. You absolutely look forward to the return of Larry because you would take a breath and hear a different point of view, maybe some subtleties that you missed. But Larry always brought something special to each and every game. Well, every time, you know, I can do a game by myself, and I believe in the art of play-by-play, painting the picture and creating the theater of the mind and it was always a better broadcast with with, with Larry um, being involved. It's a brand. The Iowa Barnstormers are a brand, and you want your brand to be at its very best. And um, I always looked forward to being with Larry, and it was hard to crack the mic this past Saturday night. Uh, but again, we honored his memory by being completely prepared. We uh, were at our very best as far as creating the theater of the mind, and the game dictated uh, a terrific broadcast, and Jason Simpson stepped in and did a terrific job. And, uh, you know, we hugged each other. We gave each other high fives. There was tears of uh, sadness and then tears of joy um, sure. when Larry Kotler stripped that ball in the last play of the game to help us win It was the IFL championship. <laughs> you know, Larry called games. He interviewed and told stories with a childlike countenance, not childish, but childlike. Everything and every time, every person he interviewed, it was always with a sense of amazement. And that's the magic of radio, and Larry Kotler got it. And so on this final broadcast of Kotler and Company here on 1350 ESPN with Joe Stacy, Tyler, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. For everybody involved from Kate Garner and Dell and everybody here at the Des Moines Radio Group, we appreciate the opportunity to salute our friend, your cohort, your co-worker. I know you're sad as well, my friend. But this is one of the hard ones, and we will get through it together. We're Des Moines, and we're radio, and we're television, and we shall move on. God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to this edition of Kotler and Company. Thanks again to Mark, Scott, Joe, and Dolph for those great memories. Larry really was fantastic and fun to listen to during games. But a huge part of what he did with Kotler and Company here on ESPN Des Moines is be an advocate for Central Iowa. Let's take a look back on some of the interviews he did that promoted the state of Iowa. A lot of great stuff still to come, but we're going to start out talking about what happened in Iowa City last weekend and visit with uh, one of our favorite people, and he's got a brand new book out. 
The book is called Destined for Greatness, and he has been great, continues to be great. He is former Iowa All-American quarterback Chuck Long, who's also, of course, the head of the Iowa Sports Foundation. How are you doing, Chuck? Glad I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, it's great to have you on. And uh, I didn't even realize until the other day you have a book out written by our good friend and mutual friend Aaron Putsey. Yeah, I have a new book. He approached me about three years ago uh-huh. and said, hey, you know, I was telling him stories one night over dinner. He said, have you ever thought about writing a book and putting all these stories in a book? And I said, no, I'm not really. I was going to wait till my 70s before I put a book out there. He said, he said well, no one's going to remember you when, when you're 70, so you, might, you may want to reconsider. So I did, and I'm in my 50s, and he, it took him two and a half years to write this book. He put a lot of work into this book, and, and, um, and now it's out, and we're excited about it. We're going to go around the state on some signings, and you can, you can buy it on Amazon right now. But we're uh, excited about the next couple of months going out around the state. I've not had a chance to look at it yet, but I'm excited to read it. Uh, And basically, I'm assuming it's talking about a lot of stories of uh, growing up in Wheaton, Illinois, and, of course, coming to the University of Iowa. You were not exactly, as I remember uh, correctly, I believe, you were not exactly highly recruited, right? No, it was not highly recruited. And uh, so there's some good segue from, you know, my growing up to, to Iowa and how I got there. Well, the Principal Charity Classic's coming up, and it'll be at the, uh, actually, the first weekend of June. The third through the fifth will be the actual competition, and the man who looks to defend his title is Mark Kalkovecki, a longtime PGA veteran, winner of 13 PGA tournament events. This one, of course, is on the Champions Tour, and earlier this week at Principal Charity Classic Media Day, I had a chance to visit with Mark Kalkovecki. Mark, uh, first of all, welcome back to Des Moines. I know you've got some great memories of this place after last year. I sure do. I sure do. It's been uh, been one of my favorite places, and then after last year, it uh, it moved right up to uh, to my favorite. So I uh, always enjoy coming here. It's uh, I've always said it's uh, Des Moines one of my favorite cities. So love coming here. What do you like about Des Moines? What do you like about Wakanda Club in this tournament? Well, uh, uh, as a uh, young kid, I grew up in uh, Nebraska, uh, Laurel, Nebraska, not too far away. So uh, when I first got here, uh, just reminded me a lot of home. You know, just uh, great Midwestern people, uh, very much uh, you know the kind of countryside that you know I remember growing up as a little kid and uh, in Nebraska. And um, <clears throat> well, kind of just that suits my eye. You know, it's just a, a good golf course. It's kind of an old style course. Uh, you know, it's got some hills for sure. Uh, it's got some small greens, which I like, and. Uh, uh, you know, rewards good iron play. Good, well, you have to drive it well. Uh, so rewards good driving and good iron play, and uh, uh, it's been uh, been good for me. Well, downtown Des Moines, Iowa, is flooded with wrestling fans. You've got kids, you've got adults. This is probably one of the biggest weekends of the year for people to come in and watch some great wrestling. State wrestling championships underway. The duels were competed yesterday. And joining us right now is going to be part of the IHSSN, the Iowa High School Network, Tele- or broadcast this weekend, four-time All-American, University of Iowa, Mark Ironside joins us. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on today. Thanks a lot for promoting the sport of wrestling. Well, we do everything we can. I've been friends with Gable for a long time, and he knows that I love to do that and promote wrestling. And, boy, it's hard not to promote wrestling, wrestling when you look at the weekend, what we have going on in Des Moines here. I mean, it's just absolutely insane here. Yeah, there's a whole drove of wrestling fans, and um, from from grandpas and grandmas down to younger brothers and sisters and siblings, that take over the whole entire town of Des Moines. It's really cool and unique to see every single year, and it just it's always a sellout for the finals. It's just there's a certain 
you know, uh, level of energy in the air. You just, you can't beat the state high school wrestling tournament. I'm the Cot Man, Larry Cotler, and of course, this is the final show for 2015. Next week, of course, the first show of 2016. You like the way I figured that one out, T-Hack? I was, uh, got that, I'm all over that. So, anyway, of course, it's New Year's Eve. Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, from Des Moines, Abby Normal joining us here in studio. At least some of the members of Abby Normal. We've got Jana and Tim West joining us here in studio. And, guys, uh, Happy New Year. Happy, happy New, New Year, Year to you. Glad to be here. Well, you know, and here's the thing. Abby Normal, I love the name of the band. You know, I was a big fan of the movie Young Frankenstein. Is that where you got it from? That's exactly where it's it came true. from. Yes. I, I figured that's where you got it from. What a great character that was. But tell us a little bit about Abby Normal. Jana, ladies first, let's start with you. And tell us a little bit about the band. Abby Normal is a classic rock cover band. We like to play songs that people want to party to. So if you're looking to go out and dance and, you know, sling back a few beers, brewskis, and, and have a good time with your friends, that's what we want mm-hmm. to do. We want to provide the perfect atmosphere for that kind of situation. Larry really did love the state of Iowa. So true, Tyler. He was constantly promoting events and charities like the Lupus Foundation and more recently prostate cancer after he faced his own battle with the disease. He was also always there to support new people in the community and simply being kind. We talked to a few of them, including the general manager of Wells Fargo Arena, Chris Connolly. I'd say I've been in Des Moines just over seven years now, and the first media personality in town to reach out to me was Larry Kotler. And um, I'd say over the last seven years, we've become pretty close. What I remember most about Larry, and, and most people have said this already, is that he's one of the most positive guys you'd ever meet. And at least on my end, how he was different with me is he was personal with me. There was a personal connection. I'd come in, do an interview, and it was more than just what was going on at the Iowa Event Center, Wells Fargo Arena, Hy-Vee Hall, et cetera. He, he would bring some stuff up personally. I'm from Philadelphia. How's it going in Philly? He'd bring up a name that he's familiar with in Philadelphia, and he made it very personal, and that was different from anybody else in town. With that being said, too, with Larry being so positive, he loved Des Moines. He genuinely loved Des Moines. He loved Drake basketball. In my world at Wells Fargo Arena, he obviously was associated with the Barnstormers and loved that team. But when I'd come in and talk to him, he cared about the Iowa Wolves. He cared about the Iowa Wild. And then really it went on to everything else we had in our calendar. And uh, I really appreciated that. He took the time. He knew what was going on. But really, Larry cared most about Des Moines and what was best for Des Moines. And um, I couldn't appreciate that enough. On my end, Larry certainly will be missed. He's one of a kind. And he's one of the nicest guys that I've ever dealt with, especially in the media. So we'll miss him. It's Murph and Andy, and Andy, the first thing that comes to mind for me about Larry Kotler, the cop man, nice guy, hard worker. And really generous, you know, the, the kind of guy that would um, help out a, a cause that maybe other people uh, hadn't heard of before or just a cause that, that needed somebody to kind of pitch in and, and, and help. And maybe it was something like lupus that was mm-hmm. personally connected to him or maybe it was, you know, the, the Marshalltown Rotary Club needed somebody to speak on a on a late Tuesday morning. And, you know, they had one slot and uh, Larry would uh, Larry would raise his hand and say, yeah, I'll make that drive. He would. And oftentimes when somebody would ask me to speak at something that I couldn't do for whatever reason, they'd say, do you, do you have somebody else uh, you think might be good? And I would say, try Larry Kotler. And I think he would always find a way to do it. 
I mean, he, he would always say yes. And then he set the bar high, too, because I can remember more than once I went to speak to a group, and I wasn't sure exactly what they wanted me to do. And I would say, well, how long, you know, what, what do you want me to say? How long do you want me to speak? And they say, well, it's, it's really up to you. But the last speaker we had was Larry Kotler, and he did 45 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes. And so I thought, oh, man, I will never be able to, uh, to live up to that. But, I mean, that's what Larry did. I mean, he would, he would go, and he would give it his best. Uh, one thing that's gotten a lot of attention, and deservedly so, is, you know, that anyone would return Larry's calls, anyone would come on his show. His book, The Biggest Rolodex in Sports, was about all his connections and his, the great manners he would have afterwards. He would always call a guest and thank them for coming on and all of that. But I always got a kick, too. Larry was masterful at finding a way to get you to call him back right away because he would call, and if we were, say we were on the air and he called, you know, he'd have to leave a voicemail, and he would tell you just enough to pique your curiosity, but he wouldn't give the whole thing up. You'd think... And I got to call Larry back to find out what that is. But, uh, hey, Murph, God, man. Um, yeah, I got something here you're going to want to know. Uh, why don't you give me a call back? Yeah, and you didn't know what it was about. Yeah. You had no idea. And it, it was maybe a relic of a different era when we didn't get that messages back, you know, when right, Larry was right. getting going. You didn't get that many messages. So if somebody left you a message, it was important, and you, you, you called them back, and and then they would tell you exactly what was going on. But, yeah, I actually – I have still got a message on my voicemail from Larry, and I think I'm going to keep it forever. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to miss Larry because uh, it was always so nice to run into him. He had a big smile on his face. He would ask you how you're doing. He would sincerely want to know. Mm-hmm. And he was always nice. He was always positive. Yeah, always in a good mood. Yeah, never talked about anybody behind their back. He was never putting anyone down. He was never negative. He was never gossiping. He was just happy to be covering sports and seeing friends. Yeah, you, he was a guy that you would see in the third quarter of a game when everybody else had left at halftime. I mean, he was a guy that, wow, he took in a lot of sports. I loved hearing what Dolph had to say about him where he said, uh, well, maybe God wanted to talk a little bit of sports, but boy, oh boy, does he have something coming to him now. <laughs> it was a really good line. We'll miss you, Cop Man. I love that Murph and Andy had a little fun there because as much as this is a tribute to our friend Larry Kotler, it really is a celebration of his life. And Larry was definitely full of life. Joining us now is Mary Sayer, who was the behind-the-scenes person here at the Des Moines Radio Group with Larry and Kotler and Company. Yeah, I worked closely with Larry um, weekly on his program while he was here at the Des Moines Radio Group with Kotler and Company. Um, we talked many times during the week, always laughed, always, you know, what do you need from me, Mary? And this is what I need, Larry. And so we got to be really, really close. And what I was impressed with with Larry, there's a couple of things. He really did have the world's biggest Rolodex. You know, I'd be in here and we, I guess, would forget that they had scheduled an interview with him. And he'd pull out his phone, dial a number, the voice on the other end goes, sure, Larry, whatever you need. I can I can step in and do an interview with you. I mean, no one ever told him no, unless they just weren't available. And that just was, it says a lot about what type of person he was. He was an upright host. He never looked for the negative in the story. Even when a story was negative, there was bad things happening, he would always look for that piece, that shining piece in the story because he didn't want people to look bad. And I really respected him for that. And I saw him do that over and over again. The other thing I loved was his laugh. Oh, my goodness. He would laugh, and it was just contagious. And you would you would just have to laugh, too. Just so warm and so loving. 
I'm so thankful that I got to spend the amount of time with Larry that I did over the past few years. And then, of course, I knew him before that because he did the play-by-play for Drake. I've known Larry for quite a while. So this I know. Larry, wherever you're at, I know you're doing a play-by-play and you're talking up those um, players and the team will never, ever lose. God bless you, Larry. Miss you. That's great. And that's exactly what we are hearing from Larry's fans over and over. He was upbeat, supportive, and above all, kind at all times, which he reflected in his support of causes outside of sports, especially with the arts, which is why the show is called Kotler and Company, not Kotler and Sports. He brought in great artists, local and national, to share with his listeners. That includes longtime friend and musician Michael Hope. When I first started working with Larry, I was a college kid at Drake University, and I worked his Saturday sports line show. And, and that's when I first realized that Larry was connected and had all of these phone numbers and knew all of these people. And, and he would frantically be getting his show ready and bring in, run around into the studio where I was and back into the studio where he was. And we would look at each other through the glass, and I would have this fistful of papers of all these people I'm supposed to call. And I would scan the list and say, okay, who am I supposed to call at certain times? And the, one of the very first top names was a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. And there was then a phone number beside his name. And I thought, oh, my gosh, is this the Muhammad Ali? So I, I opened the mic and I said to Larry, I said, Am I, is this the boxer Muhammad Ali? This is 1981. And he said, yeah, 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 get him on at 115 or whatever the time was. And so when it got close to that time, he says, get, get Muhammad on the phone. Okay. So I started dialing. This is landline days, no cell phones. So I'm dialing this number and it's a hotel. And I know the room number, so I give the room number, room 104 or whatever it is. And this person answers the phone. And it's just like the every bad imitation you hear of Muhammad Ali talking. And he answers the phone and says, hello. And I said, I didn't know if I should call him. Is this Mr. Ali? Is this Muhammad? Is this Muhammad Ali? So I said, is this Muhammad Ali? And he said, yes, it is. And, and he goes, is this Larry? And I said, no, this is Michael Hope. And he said, can you call me back? I'm waiting for a call from Larry with WHO Radio in Des Moines, Iowa. And I said, no, this is the phone call. I'm calling for Larry. So I'm having this discussion with Muhammad Ali on the phone. He says, oh, okay. Well, he goes, well, are we ready? And I says, well, let me put you on hold. So I put him on hold and I gave the high sign to Larry. And I said, I have Muhammad Ali on the phone. He took the call, and I'm watching, and I'm almost forgetting to play the next commercial. But I think we actually had to cut the interview sort of short because you could hardly understand Muhammad Ali at that point. It was so mush-mouthed that Larry finally just nodded his head and said, Okay, well, hey, thanks a lot, Muhammad, for being on with us here on WHO in Des Moines. And and, um, we ended up cutting the interview short, but it was one of the most interesting opportunities to work with Larry and Muhammad Ali at the same time. Larry was such a funny guy. He was very humble. For a person as connected as he was, he was very, very self-deprecating. He would always laugh at himself. Uh, He was very genuine. He was very nice to me as a young college kid. And actually, we had an opportunity to work at three different radio groups together over the past 36 years. And so I worked with him at WHO Radio, and then I worked with him at another, another uh, sports station here in town, and, and then, of course, here at, at KRNT and ESPN. And, and he's just 
always been a great guy and, and was a good friend for all these years. Another group who Larry supported, going all the way back to his show on Mediacom, are local guys and regional favorites, the Nadas. Hey, Mike. Good evening, Jason. So uh, we came in here to talk a little bit about Larry. I was trying to remember the first time we were on uh, a show with Larry, and I actually think it was television, even though I think he said he had a, a face for radio. Was that right? Yeah, I think he has a face for television but uh he is humble guy yeah but i think he had us on his um his mediacom show if i remember right and i i every time he said hey i know you guys have this show coming up you want to come in and talk about it i said i would love to but i don't know anything about sports and he never made us talk about sports he never made us talk about sports and he's he he was uh he was always saying that um you know musicians or artists didn't get enough airtime and so he wanted to help help us get some airtime and that was also a very awesome thing that he did and so we appreciated that very much and that's that's just one example of what a kind man he was and that's one of the things that i'll remember most about him is just one of the nicest guys on the whole planet yep and here he is having us on a show again again <laughs> like that that's going the extra mile larry thanks sir thank you the other thing that i really loved is you know we would to, to set up these interviews, we'd do it over text. But any time that we got over two texts, he would call me. Does that work? Because I'll do that. It, it, well, yeah, <laughs> I think it does. And I just, I just knew this. The when I sent that second text of mine and the fourth in the thread, that I could expect a phone call in the next ten seconds. Huh. And I, th I think that's the way to do it. All right. Have a have a better connection with people. All right, we've got Josh Sinclair here. He is a local, well, let's let's call you national musician because oh, you do well, tour. You. I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, you knew Larry Kotler well because he's been a supporter of yours for a long time. Yeah, um, you know, I think I met him in 2002 or three, and the only reason I know that is I, uh, I found an old VHS tape uh, from, like, the first time that my brother and I was on a show. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of cool, like, to see that and everything. Now I just need to find a VHS uh, player to be able to play it, but... I mean, Larry, just he was such a great guy, just so genuine. And just to think back, you know, like all the times that he had me on his show and just, you know, to support like the local music and, and the scene. And um, I remember it was a few years ago and, uh, you know, Larry was a diehard Cardinals fan. And I had written this song uh, about the Cubs like it, it was it was before the Cubs actually won the World Series. And it was, you know, meant to be like this song about like living the dream, you know, like all these things that we probably never see again in our lifetime which was, you know, one of them, the Cubs, you know, win the World Series. And so um, he actually had me on his show to play that song reluctantly, but I mean, we, we had a good laugh about it and stuff. So, um, yeah, he's always just been such a supportive person and just so genuine. Like, he always had a smile for me. And I remember the last time I was in here, um, I think I had colored my hair silver. And the first thing he said to me is like, oh, man, you really went gray, like, since the last time I, I saw you. And I'm like, well... It was intentional, buddy, but yeah, <laughs> he's, he's great. He's very great. Larry was always the kindest, most thoughtful guy who, who made it personal. He yeah. was always, and personal in a good way, not made it personal in a negative way. So it, I'm not surprised by that story. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just even like taking the pictures and stuff all together, like every time I got done, you know, in the studio with him, it was, uh, yeah, always had a smile, always had a handshake. And um, yeah, he's just a wonderful person. 
I'd like to welcome Joseph Junta, as Larry always affectionately called the maestro. His official title is the music director and conductor of the Des Moines Symphony Orchestra. Joseph, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And boy, what a what a sad uh, uh, series of events that we heard about our friend Larry. And uh, we're all thinking about him, of course, and um, want to wish his family and friends, all all the best. We're all sort of in shock still. That was one thing about Larry is everyone knows him as the sports guy, but he was also <laughs> a really big music guy. He sure was. Um, you know, there are a couple of things that I've been doing this, Tyler, a long time, as you know, over uh, over over forty years, and I suppose I do uh, maybe one hundred and fifty interviews a year. You know, in in Des, Des Moines area or when I when I travel, and you know, there are two guys that come to mind when it comes to professionalism and preparation, and one of those is Larry, and the other one was Jim Zobel. You know, we looked at them as sports people, but, boy, they were. They, they, when, when, uh, whenever I would be at a place where maybe the Hawkeyes were playing and, and Jim was announcing, the next day we'd go to an art museum, or he'd say, What's the, I wonder what, the, well, wonder what the symphony's playing, you know, tomorrow night or whatever. I think uh, Larry was the same kind of guy. He told me just recently that he had a... He played in the Valley Orchestra years ago before he graduated, the Valley High School Orchestra, and then uh, had a bass in his living room, and his wife, Deb, was encouraging him to start practicing again and play it. So, you know, he the other thing about him that was, I, I think it was just unusual, is that he was so prepared. And, you know, when I would come in here, you know, at first when we started doing these interviews uh, a year or two ago, whenever it was, I just assumed that this was going to be yet another sports guy, you know, and so, and I can talk a pretty good sports game. I'm certainly not at his level, but, but I enjoy sports and, uh, and follow them. But when I came in, the first thing he started talking about was, I think we were doing the Beethoven Seventh Symphony or something, and he had, he had prepared, he had done his homework, he knew about the music, he had listened to it on his iPod. I mean, how, how great is that for, to, to just, you have a personality like that that uh, just was all-encompassing. Well, and I know that was one thing when we first started the show that Larry was really adamant on is that he wanted a music or an entertainment segment every show, and that was what made up the company. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, the sports show. He wanted it to be a real local Des Moines entertainment show. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think he achieved that, and I think he achieved it in spades. You know, the other thing that I always appreciated about him was the fact that um, it wasn't necessarily the interview that he was focused on. It was what happened before and after the interview, you know, that kind of interaction, how to get somebody to talk in an informal manner, sort of off the record. And if you did that beforehand, then he was very capable of bringing that into the interview, which I always thought was was wonderful. But I, I think he he really loved the process more than the actual interviews and by the process I mean what goes on behind the scenes what goes on behind the curtain because he was always asking me about things like that and um, I know that I believe Tyler the last interview because this place here where we record from is under construction last Thursday before Yankee Doodle Pops he walked down to my office which is only a few blocks down from here and he said no I'll come down it's too dusty down here and he came down with his little pocket tape recorder and it was I believe the last interview that, that he did, and it was about Yankee Doodle Pops. But when he walked into my office, I had music spread out over a table, and I was putting in some, some markings. Now, 
talk about what goes on behind the curtain. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of preparation, as you know, that goes on. He sat down, and the first thing he said is, what are you doing? And I started explaining to him and showing some of this. Well, we got so involved that 40 minutes later, we're, st- we're still sitting there and hadn't, hadn't had an interview at all. But the thing that he said to me before he got his recorder out and said, okay, here we go with this, he said, this is what I really love to do, uh, really uh, learn about people and what they do. And he said, in my next life, I just want to do a show where I can sit down and informally talk to people about what they do. And the thing, I think the thing that both he and I had in common I suspect is that um, we both um, really. I think we both really have a passion for what we're doing, and um, that's what I'll remember the most about him. You know, I want to tell you one story that we we got a big laugh on. Uh, my wife and I were. I think you were. I think you were engineering this show. My wife and I were in Vegas. This was maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. And we went, in the evening, I, w- I was teaching some leadership courses, and there was a lot of talent in Vegas, as you know, so we were auditioning a lot of talent, seeing a lot of shows and what might be appropriate for some of our Pops concerts. So my wife picked this restaurant in uh, Summerlin, which is just uh, uh, west of the Strip, and it was called Honey Salt. So we sat down, and next thing you know, this couple sits down next to us. The tables are very close. And you know how the voice, you hear somebody's voice and you just know, boy, oh boy, you know who it is. It was Brett Musburger. And he had just moved to Vegas, uh, starting his, his new business. He had just retired from uh, ESPN. So I said to him, uh, you know, are you Brett Musburger? And he said, I sure am. And he said, where are you from? I told him. And, and he said, Des Moines, Des Moines. He said, yeah, that's a great town. He said, uh, you know, it's it's... I remember it from several times I was there, but he said the Hawkeyes are great, and he said the Cyclones are coming along. And he said, you know, that Drake basketball team from years back, he said that was a good basketball team. And then he said he got two great announcers there that I remember, Jim Zobel and Larry Cutler. And I thought, man, how cool is that? So I said to him, you know, they were both friends of mine, and and uh, he said, well, when you see him, tell him I said hello and whatnot. But as you know, one of the amazing things about Larry was that, you know, he could, as they say, his Rolodex was so big, uh, that book of his, but he could call anybody at any time. He could just somehow connect it to the sports world like no one I've ever known. And uh, it was pretty amazing that people knew him all over the place. You know, the, the last image that was in my mind when I heard about Larry's passing was the fact that after our interview in my office. There's a long hallway that you have to walk down. So I walked him out and he walked down that long hallway and he was in a a red polo shirt and a pair of black shorts, sneakers. And he had, from looking at him walking away from me, he had the the pep in his step of a 20-year-old, you know, and that kind of, that was Larry, that sort of optimistic, uh, we can do it all sort of way of living, and he just just the way he kind of almost uh, hopped, jogged, slow jogged down that hall. Uh, you know, it just was. Um, he was just an inspiration to be around. And I'm going to miss him very much. Larry Kotler's passing really is leaving a hole in this community. Sports, the arts, and community volunteering. Larry was a Renaissance man. 
He always had a smile for everyone, and that's why he had the biggest Rolodex in sports. That was the name of his incredibly popular book. It's still for sale, by the way. The best way to get it is by going to the Iowa Barnstormers office. The championship team is selling the book there for $20 with all proceeds going to Larry's wife, Deb, and their family. You can also help the family through a special GoFundMe page. The link to that is on our website at ESPNDesMoines.com. That's ESPNDesMoines.com. Which brings me to the fact that Larry left a huge imprint on us here at the Des Moines Radio Group, his home for Kotler & Company for the last three years. One of the colleagues he made into a friend is DMRG General Manager Jeff Delvo. Larry Kotler didn't know anybody that wasn't a friend. I didn't know Larry very well. He came in weekly and did his show, and then he'd come and sit and talk to me. But it was usually fast and furious and you know, Larry always had somewhere to be and some place to go and another person to see and another person to call. But I was always in awe of his demeanor and his great spirit. And um, I was absolutely devastated by his loss. And even though I can't say that I was in his close inner circle, it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to us. We're trying to do what we can to help Deb and the family to get back on their feet. I'm working with some of the closer people in that circle, and um, Larry, you're going to be greatly missed. Hi, this is Kate Garner. I'm the news director with the Des Moines Radio Group, and I am so sorry to have lost Larry. As news director, I got a call on Sunday morning as soon as it was identified that he was the one swept away in that terrible terrible flash flooding event from about a week and a half ago. A lot of people lost uh, stuff in their basements and their homes, and they lost their cars. But unfortunately, Deb and Zach and Zachary lost a man who was astounding, amazing. The number one thing I kept hearing from Larry's friends as we were putting the show together is that Larry was the consummate gentleman. He always treated Deb with the utmost respect, kindness, and love. And that was everywhere. You know, some people hide their love and appreciation of their loved ones behind closed doors, and that's totally fine. But Larry had no problem being that guy who was always super affectionate and kind and thoughtful to not only Deb, but everybody he dealt with. He was the kind of guy that gets uh, noticed, gets appreciated, and then gets tributes given to him. And I don't mean just any tributes. Uh, you may have heard people talking about the fact that, you know, the Iowa Barnstormers winning the championship. Well, obviously, Larry Kotler, big part of doing the play-by-play for that. Joe Stacy missing him when he was calling the championship game. And then they dedicated that championship to him. And they really felt that there was almost divine intervention in the name of Larry that helped the Barnstormers win. And that's huge. The Des Moines Menace, after Larry passed away, was one of the last places that he was. And so they dedicated one of their games to him recently, and they wore armbands for him. And then we got a very nice note from Wade Nelson. And he says there's the 13U National Softball Tournament in town this weekend. Larry undoubtedly would have been working as an umpire during this tournament, which he did, by the way, volunteered. He worked tournament after tournament. He would go out on do double header when nobody else was willing to, and it was 105 like it's been lately, Larry would go out there. Sorry, that was an aside. Here's the rest of the note from Wade. He umpired many games that our team played in. He was a great 
umpire and a better person. We know that umpiring was only a small part of who he was, but the Johnston Pride 13U softball team will be wearing LC decals on their helmets this week to remember him and all that he did for others. We did not know him personally, but recognized his hard work and dedication to life and the lessons his actions taught. How amazing is that? That is powerful stuff from a person who admits he didn't really know Larry really well, but he knew that Larry was a good guy and had an amazing work ethic. And those are the stories that we get time after time when it comes to Larry Kotler. Kotler and Company was one of my weekly must listens, by the way. I had to listen to Larry because he was not only plugged into sports and he knew everyone, hence the name of his book, The Biggest Rolodex in Sports, (laughs) but he always had the latest entertainment and he had people on who were from the Playhouse and from Des Moines Performing Arts and the latest Temple shows. And he would do interviews via the phone or in person, or he would bring people into the studio. And every single person that I've talked to that he's ever interviewed or worked with made the point that he always knew about them or their show or their business or what it was they were doing next week or the next project they were on to, or he'd actually read their books. And by the way, that's a secret that most talk show hosts don't tell, is that they don't actually read the books. They have somebody go through, skim for them or read it for them, make notes for them, and then they can reference that. Same goes for movies. Not a lot of reviewers have actually seen the movies uh, that they're talking about when they're on a talk show. But that was not Larry. Larry was that guy that was so dedicated and so energetic that he gave his all to every single show and never did it without a smile. This man smiled at everyone. He is the epitome of Iowa nice. He's the reason that when New Yorkers come to Des Moines, they're a little taken aback when people smile and say hi on the street because that, well, that was Larry. And I will miss him very much because he smiled at me every single week. We'd have brief conversations about the latest news and sports. And he was always dedicated, not only to what was in front of him as far as being on the air and his job and the sports and the community. But again, I want to reiterate how much he was dedicated to his family. Uh, To Deb Brewer and Zach and Zachary, my heart is broken for you and I send absolutely nothing but the best. And I want to thank God for Larry Kotler. And I know he's up there talking sports right now because he was an amazing man and a gift to Des Moines and Iowa and frankly, nationwide, because he made national news at his passing. So thank you, Larry, for all you have left behind. I was a producer on Kotler and Company for the past three years, and so I got to know Larry pretty well over those years. And what always struck me was, as we've heard tonight, obviously how positive and upbeat of a guy he was, but it also struck me that no matter how big a name the person on the other end of the phone had, they always had respect for Larry. You know, he had the biggest Rolodex in sports, but it wasn't like these people were just doing little old Larry a favor or anything. No, they they genuinely wanted to be on the show and wanted to help Larry out because he was such a great guy and he really did know them on a personal level. And I know that he gave me some of my best experiences in my time in broadcasting. I mean, with the opportunity to talk to names like Dick Vitale and Kirk Ferens and Fran McCaffrey and Lee Corso. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that was part of the fun of doing the show with Larry was that, you know, every week you had no idea, or I had no idea who he was going to have on. He just had such a far reach that 
it it made every week exciting and and I'll I'll definitely miss that and I'll I'll miss hearing all the stories you know when Larry has been in the business for the past 40 years and he gave me I I can't even count the amount of times he told me stories of all his his time in the business and advice for me and and I'll always be grateful for that and and take it to heart and the other thing that Larry was always interested in was how I was doing um, you know, little old me here. I'm just the, I see myself as, you know, the button pusher here on the show, but Larry was genuinely interested in my life and what I was up to and how I was doing and how my last weekend was. And he just was a very kind, caring, genuine person. And I'm really going to miss that about him. In fact, he was so genuine that I, one of the biggest issues we had on the show was, was keeping interviews uh, to a timely manner because we only had an hour and there were plenty of times where we went or Larry went way longer <laughs> than than planned with guests but it was because guests didn't want to stop talking I mean he just had such a, a pull that it didn't feel like an interview it, it felt like you were talking to an old friend and for the most part that's that's what these people were to Larry is they were old friends and you know the memories I heard them talk about and you know days and years past were we're always entertaining and just to see a glimpse into kind of the the amazing life that Larry was was leading and I know he he always talked about how much he loved his wife Deb and his son Zachary he would always show me the different pictures and stuff that Zachary had been drawing and he was so proud of him all the time and and they were really good and that's that's one thing Larry he's just such a caring man and it's sad that he's not going to be around anymore so Larry thank you for bringing me on this last ride with you, letting me be a part of my first sports talk show and for all the knowledge and wisdom and stories and all the the laughs and the fun times and the people I've been able to meet because of you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And you're going to be missed. Thanks, Tyler. And thank you to you, the listeners, the friends, the people who loved Larry Kotler. If you've missed part of the show or would like to listen again to this special final edition of Kotler & Company, we are putting it up now at ESPNDesMoines.com. Before we go, we would once again like to thank Larry's sponsors and friends, really, who made each show possible over the last few years. They include Montana Mike's, Iowa Wild, Windsor Vacuum, Iowa Wolves, Massage Heights, Iowa Event Center, Arizona-Iowa Baseball Company, Des Moines Symphony, Principal Charity Classic, Iowa Barnstormers, Urbandale Chamber, GNL Clothing, CHR Tire and Auto, Copycat Prints, Des Moines Menace, Truman's KC Pizza Tavern, Willow Creek Golf Course, State Farm Insurance, and Next Gen Payment Services. Larry was a great man who will really be missed. Thank you for tuning in to Kotler and Company over the past three years and for tuning in tonight. I'll let Larry take us out one last time. Thanks for listening and make it a great day.